0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the Growth Mindsets podcast. And if you didn't know, if you didn't hear, uh, the tallies came in and uh, according to Apple, it's not according to us, we are top business podcast in the country, homegrown. So, for my people in Uganda who are making it happen, and everyone who is listening to our podcast from anywhere in the world, we are highly appreciative. We are still stuck to building from our core purpose. If you have not listened to our episode one, that's where we talk about the purpose of this podcast. But still, I'm sure by the time you picked out this one, it speaks to you. So, you can listen, and then go back and listen to everything we have done. Very interesting conversations and uh for today we still yet have to have another interesting conversation because i mean that's what we do we are here to serve it raw now today's guest is a very important man this man has changed he has inverted reality he's already shaking his head Bronson, you're welcome to the podcast
1: thank you for having me
0: so Bronson Bakunga today is with us, and he's one of the best developers I know in the country, uncontested. And, and his journey inspires me a lot because it has brought into perspective, for me even, and for other people that have interacted with him, that as a developer you're not only limited to code; you have a lot beyond code that you can explore. So. I will allow Bronson to introduce himself in the way he likes, but just to make sure he doesn't hide some of the details, Bronson is, uh, work, is working currently while learning with a South African based company. Uh, it's a technology company called Afrofleet. Bronson is also our developer at Skillhaven. He is the head. He is the head of our upcoming, growing, highly they say highly potentious, highly potential department of uh Bitcoin developers. Now, with that intro, sir, I welcome you to the Growth Mindsets podcast.
1: Uh again, thank you for having me. Uh I appreciate that you think I am some of the best developers. I like to think of myself as someone who's just learning in this space and continues to grow in it. Um, So maybe just a bit of introduction, you already mentioned that I work at Afrofleet, um, which is a South African based startup. Uh, But besides that, I do a number of um, a number of other things in the blockchain space as well. I'm currently taking part in the blockchain innovation program, which is um, an inaugural Program set up by Capital Savvy to help more developers get into the blockchain space. Great opportunities and um, so many great talks we've been having over there that just expand the minds of developers. But um, back to the uh, the work stuff. I'm also currently teaching and uh, I do mentoring of other developers um, on the under the Reach platform, which is essentially a platform that targets um, different different ethereum virtual machine um, blockchains so ethereum and all that uh, is inclusive so yeah i mean when it comes to that i also do have a number of other startups on the side but uh, i don't think that's relevant for this particular discussion
0: so if you are out there and you are wondering why i was giving the intro you've had the man uh very capable in his ways i have found him to be very efficient I think you work for more than like five companies, or work with, or own—I don't know—all those put together. Yeah. But uh, for today's discussion, Bronson, before we even get to your workplace, before we get to how efficient you are in the work you do, I want us to understand and give a background to how many blockchain developers are there even in the country. So Mm. how do you even arrive to make the decision of oh? I'm already coding, but I've decided to code on the blockchain. Yeah. Just just bring us up to speed. Where does the decision happen? What pushes you to come into the blockchain space? And how have you found it so far?
1: Okay. So at the beginning of this year, um, I believe that was in, uh, if not February, it was in March. I was trying to list down a number of things that I would like to see happen in this um, in this year for me as a developer. I had a great um, year in, uh, I think that was 2021, where I really started to expand my knowledge in the development space. So with that, I I thought I would really love to get into blockchain. I'd been sitting, seeing it a lot on Twitter, um, especially with the NFT boom, um, the board APR club and uh, all those other NFTs that were booming. I really wanted to know the technology under that. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I was like, I would really love to um, get into the NFT space and i had a lot that there was um payments that would pay you for for learning in the space and i was like okay if, if that comes along as well i'll take it on as a plus but i i just kept my options open so not so long after that um almost as if fate heard me or saw me writing down in that on that piece of paper someone just sent through a link to one of uh, the google De- student developer clubs which just uh they're like whatsapp groups where different people come and they meet uh on different occasions just to upskill so i go in there and i see that and it's literally saying that there's um a hackathon for africans specifically that want to learn blockchain and i get interested in that because it says that you don't need to have any experience with that so i do of course some initial research because i thought there was going to be an interview process and all that but there wasn't but i already already had my 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 uh, my toes dipped in, into mm-hmm. understanding the knowledge so Um, when i get in there it's a six weeks program i'm running this at the same time as i'm doing school i think we also have like um uh, we have our end of semester exams coming up as well but i look at it in a way that um i just honestly need to get through this and i need to obviously of course for one the money was 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 kind of a motivation for for finishing as well because they give you a good amount of money just to finish the program so i i did that uh as well but by the time I got to the end of the six weeks I was like wow this is really what you can do with this because there was a number of different programs and, and different projects that were in the space and I built a game so it's just a game where it, it's what what you do is that it's uh you have it's a board game it's almost like chess but in this case you have a cat on the board and you move the cat to the different styles but uh, in case you are blocked in on all the sides then the technically the other player wins but if you as the cat manage to get off the board then you you win that one so i i built that and was on the blockchain and it's just a way it's just a little fun game where whoever wins takes the money at the end of the day so everyone's just putting in some cash to play a game a fun game um so by the end of that i was like i really want to see where else i can take this because now i had seen um the potential for money making in this space i had also seen how much i had got i had got to learn maybe not just on the blockchain side but also um just best practices as a developer and i really wanted to see how far i can take that so i stuck around obviously i i chose to to mentor the next group of of african developers who came along and and uh that's what i'm doing currently so anytime there's a hackathon or there's someone who really needs help in this space i do try to lend a hand and i think that's what's really helped me grow
0: what what uh interests me in your story are two things one, the fact that in COVID, you didn't waste time. That's one. <laughs> but two, is the game still live? Can someone play it? Um, Sadly, I had to take it
1: down because I, I haven't yet funded that particular game. But I would love to put it up, actually. I think it would be great.
0: Okay. So, uh, before we even go on to the questions I, I prepared, the discussion we want to have, you talked about being paid to learn. Yeah. If we are speaking into the life of a blockchain developer who is starting out anywhere in year one or sorry, any software developer yeah. not blockchain. And they are starting out and they feel like they want to try. Yeah. They are willing to put in a few hours and learn. Yeah. What is the easiest way to get onto such a paid learning programme? So
1: interestingly enough, I mean now it's even more common because it's almost as if all these different blockchains have uh, foundations and those foundations are responsible for helping um grow those different blockchains and it, with that comes the the developer learning uh, experiences where well. they're willing to put out some cash for developers to actually learn on these different things but it would be int- it's actually very interesting that some of the people who took part in the next cohort i actually got to see people who didn't even know um the the basics of programming and this person just tells you I know that I I just know how to type, and I want to become a blockchain developer, and that's very interesting because at the end of the six weeks this person also moves out as not only a blockchain developer but also they have gained the developer experience along the way. So that goes to show you that it's not just for a specific group of people. or Maybe I didn't waste time in 2020, or m- maybe you are at a certain level where you can just make like a web page and that's all you can do. It's not specific to anyone who's advanced or anything like that. The space is literally open to anyone. And what I would say is that just pick up some developer skills right now, the internet is ripe with information, especially when it comes to development. I think Freecodecamp is one of the things that I recommend to anyone. It's an open platform. you don't pay, you don't um put down any money. you just literally go there, you sign up and you start learning. so i sell I tell people go to Freecodecamp. They have a great beginner course where you learn how to make websites at first. And then you go into the specifics where you can pick a programming language and, and just run with it. JavaScript would be great in the developer space, uh, Web3 in particular, because it's, it's almost all around. And uh, for example, Reach, Reach almost borrows the the language of JavaScript and just builds on top of that. So it's very easy for you to get into um, those kinds of languages, especially if you know something like JavaScript. So what I would tell them is just go to Free Code Camp, open it up, um, start learning uh, just the basics. And then don't even don't even think about the fact that maybe I haven't finished this course. I haven't even got everything that I need. Even by the time I joined, you'll be surprised that I didn't have everything that I need, needed. Um, so I got in and I said that I'll figure this out along the way. And I think that's the best mentality that you can have because... The people in these different discords, the, these different groups, are always willing to find, to help you find your way. And I think that's our purpose as, as mentors. So we're supposed to get you from, even if you're on zero, my goal is to make sure that you get to the end of that and you, you learn um, okay. how to do
0: that. Talking about FreeCodeCamp, reminds me a lot of uh, Sailor.org. Yeah. Sailor.org has also a very interesting uh, layout of introduction to computer science, everything from zero yeah. to literally whatever you want to be in the space. Yeah. But uh the most interesting uh part for me is uh, they have a course. I'm trying to look at their website right now. They have a course that is specifically it's called Introduction to Bitcoin Development. Yeah. So if you want to code on the Bitcoin blockchain, yeah, you can go there and right now I think Sailor, like, Sailor Academy is becoming, I think, third ranked after Coursera, Udemy, and now Sailor Academy. Yeah. If you have their certification, it's actually recognized because, uh, as as uh, learning has become cheaper and cheaper, this guy Michael Sailor decided, I can actually pay people to put information on this website and have people access it free. So you go from zero. To whichever level you stop at, you're certified and you can present that credibility. So I think for anyone who is just starting out, that would be a great place to start. Yeah, true. But obviously, as a person who has been in the space, uh, I didn't bring you here for us to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, there's a very, very interesting topic that I would love for us to get on and hopefully... We will have a lot of series about it. All right, then. Proof of Stake. You can finish it for me.
1: <laughs> Versus Proof of Work.
0: Exactly. You've coded on both. Yeah. You, From what you have shared, you actually started with Proof of Stake. Yes, I did. Right now, you're, you're learning how to code on Proof of Work.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: What's the difference? What is Proof of Stake? What is Proof of Work? to a person who does not understand what you studied for the last two years or three yeah and they really want to get the basic concept it's actually
1: like seven months actually (laughs) it's what i studied for the last seven months but okay um what i would say is proof of stake is what what's happening is uh the users are locking up funds in their wallets or on a contract to make sure that those funds help validate the state of the network and kick out bad actors who might come along and say that hey this transaction is legitimate but if the majority of people who have locked up their funds say that you know that that transaction is actually not not legitimate then that gets kicked out so that's how they maintain the security of the blockchain and that's how they make sure that it's it's all just you know keeping secure with proof of work what happens is instead people are going ahead and they are using electricity and all these different resources to um put a block for example i'm going to use bitcoin because mm-hmm. i think that's the most known proof of work blockchain yeah. um like validate these different transactions um and then that gets the when the majority of the 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 miners or these people who are putting in the work come to a conclusion that hey this is the right block then that's accepted so the difference is proof of stake it's essentially like you're just locking up coins um and then proof of work it's that you're putting in the energy to actually make sure that you're validating these these transactions.
0: Now, as we go forward in this discussion, I would love to, to make it known to the, our dear audience that I am already biased. <laughs> and it is always good to disclose such facts. Yeah. And I hope you can maybe further mm-hmm. validate my bias yeah. or correct me. Yeah. We are all here to learn. Proof of stake offers uh, I think an option for basically how I understand it. You stake your coins then they allow you to verify the transactions that are happening. Yeah. Do you really have those coins? What happens when the blockchain goes down? Do you get them back? I, I, I always get confused on that part because ideally to get those coins you paid money. Yeah. So let's say you go to the market and buy a product. Yeah. You pay money. Yeah, And they give you a product. And they're like, no, no, no. For you to keep coming, you have to leave this product here. And you keep coming.
1: Alright. Um, so yeah, just, just to pick up on that. I mean, it's it's almost like they're saying that um, I've sold you this product. And if, if, if you want to uh, verify that everyone in this market is actually part of this market, you need to keep your mangoes here with me. And then you just need to pray that I am actually a, a good actor. And I'm not bad. So, I mean, that's, a, that's I think, one of the problems with, with proof of stake, that um, you are essentially relying on the fact that the blockchain or the smart contract or anything that you're putting your money into is a good and it's actually built and it's verified. That's why I think proof of stake has had so many, um, so many things that come and build on top of that. So you'll find that many of the of the proof of stake uh, protocols that exist today are not like pure proof of stake, but they keep on improving certain things and trying to make sure that they iterate over the different things that went wrong in the previous um, place, all the way to where we have proof of stake networks, which don't even need you to put your coins into a smart contract of any sort. You just keep them in your wallet and the contract just keeps checking if your coins exist inside the wallet to make sure that they're validating that you are staking. And if you move those funds or if you send them somewhere else, it then automatically disqualifies you as someone who um, is taking part in
0: governance, for example. Now that, I didn't know. Let's move a bit to the side of proof of work. Yeah, I'm a proof of work. I don't know. I love it so much because I believe for value to be created energy has to be expended. Yeah. And that's in it how proof of work works. But depends on now the blockchain also because there are proof of work blockchains that are not as secure. Yeah. So when it comes to proof of work, why does someone need to set up all these machines? Yes, to validate, but... Isn't there a simpler way? Can people do it on their phones? Why is it specific? Well, this is the thing. Um
1: the, the the different why the why proof of work is a bit harder and why I think maybe that's just the way it's set up is that this software, you I think it's best that you need to know what you're getting into. I think it's best that you need to take time to actually understand and read maybe a bit into what you're doing. And that that I think is good. Because before, the, before someone goes and sets out a Bitcoin, maybe mining rig or all this, they understand that, okay, so besides the fact that I'm just um, maybe setting up this machine to do this, what I'm actually doing at the back is um, making all these transactions, uh, getting a transaction and then hashing it and making sure that it's legitimate and putting a block on the blockchain. I think there's beauty behind understanding that process before you just go ahead and, and just run run it on your phone. So. Why is it not so easy? I think that's because initially it was, it was just, it was put out and it was more, more developed. And I think that's actually the difference as to why, that's the reason as to why more developers flock to proof of stake as opposed to proof of work, because it's almost like it's, it's hard for you to just understand because there's so much you need to understand. um, And as opposed to proof of stake where they've made it so simple and the education has like been um, so great and it has made so so made so much impact whereby people just get in there and they they don't want to learn the hard <clears throat> the hard things but ultimately what i would say is it's getting easier and easier each and each and every like passing day because there's more material coming out i think back then you only had the white paper that had all these things but you know people like skill heaven people like the things that you do people like us people like
0: us
1: (laughs) (laughs) the things that we do um, is to make some of these things simpler and let everyone know um what they're getting into and what they would need but also for for the security of the blockchain you do need to have um people putting in people putting in what do you call it um more and more resources because the finding a block becomes much harder with each block that is found so it recalculates, the algorithm recalculates to make sure that um, it gets harder over time. So maybe you could have run it on your phone initially in the beginning and maybe a phone or a computer, but as the, techno- as the, the, the blockchain evolves, it makes it harder every single time that a block is mined for you to actually um, mine one of these things the next time. So I don't think um, your phone is going to be able to do it anytime soon i think it's only going to keep getting harder and harder but that's a good thing because at the end of the day it's it's now prompting more people to get involved into the entire process and it's securing the network i think we crossed um was it three i don't remember what 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 uh what mega was it mega hashes or tera hashes it was for uh bitcoin but it's it's, we achieved the all-time high this year we broke the all-time high this year so I think that speaks to the security of the network and it's much more tangible than something like proof of stake where um, you really are counting on the software to be the one that's correct. On proof of work, it's literally that you have to go and put in as much work as every single person who mined a block for you to actually go ahead and compromise the network.
0: If I get you correctly, yes, in proof of work, I have if I want to rewrite anything on the blockchain, yes. I have put in everyone's work. Yeah. Since two thousand nine. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when it comes to proof of stake, if I want to overwrite, yeah. What do I do? I
1: mean it's you just need fifty one percent of of that particular of, of that particular blockchain. So if you went into a brand new blockchain and um you essentially bought maybe more than fifty one percent of their total or you managed to to somehow control 51 percent of their total uh coins in circulation then you would have compromised that network but also there's a possibility of if the smart contract or maybe where this with these funds are being staked is not correctly configured then you could have um you know the same effect the same issue
0: i'm sure i don't have these numbers of it but mm. How is it looking right now when it comes to, let's say, the most famous Ethereum? Yeah. Is the 51% in control of the majority or the minority?
1: So it's tricky because I remember I looked at these numbers at some point and I've been, I, when I'm going into a blockchain, I look at some of these things as to like who's controlling the the majority of the funds what how many whales exist but i saw in ethereum there's way more whales than um way way more whales control a larger percent than it would be on bitcoin for bitcoin i think the whales control about 10 percent so you know that i mean that network even if all these whales decided to come together and try to do something there's still 90 percent of people who are um Oh no that that would speak to the price of that that's different for bitcoin actually exactly. yeah it's very different. it's very different yeah, for bitcoin it's very so it says
0: even if like your whole, your percentage holding of bitcoin exactly does not affect the network exactly exactly
1: yeah. so but ethereum in this case if if those whales i, th- I think it was about 20 percent i don't i don't i don't know the numbers straight off head I don't, I, but it was bigger than the one for bitcoin but if um that number grew exponentially and it was such such a way that these, if these guys came together and uh, they had that 50-51% then that means that it would it, would, it wouldn't would be good for, for the network. But even as it already stands, I think there's a number of whales whales in Ethereum. That might piss off a, a number
0: of Ethereum people, but <laughs> I'm just, yeah,
1: I'm just saying. Uh,
0: ideally we have to analyze things from reality. Yeah, true. These are numbers that are accessible and these are some of the things that make me more biased but i will try not to be biased let's come back which problem was ethereum solving because uh, proof of work came in first yeah with bitcoin and all the other bitcoin wannabes the light coins coins whatever coin happened before ethereum yeah what do you think from developer perspective yeah pushed vitalik gavin wood and uh, all these guys that were part of the initial ethereum and i say initial because i want to bring you there because there are like three types of ethereum yeah the initial thesis of ethereum what what led them to thinking of an imaginary as they call it ethereum virtual machine
1: okay so when i uh i'll i'll, I'll try to i'll try to bring out what i know so far I haven't really gone into as far back as, as that story because that when you go through the timeline of Bitcoin all the way up to here, I, I think it's something very interesting that you'd want that you'd want to follow up, but I haven't really gone down that route. But what I do know is um, they did start out as proof of work as well, so that's that's interesting. So it started out as proof of work, and then um, they essentially wanted to bring smart contracts on board, and they wanted to, I think, provide more uh, options in terms of what you can do with the blockchain so they brought smart contracts they brought um a bunch of different tokens being uh, the nfts um maybe soulbound tokens which are more more new than the nfts um but and then you move i think they the move to proof of stake was mostly to do with environmental concerns or maybe that was one of the things but you you see that it's it's the fact that they want they wanted to do more but interestingly enough like when you look at uh bitcoin and how it exists currently there's actually a way for you to sort of do smart contract logic within with with bitcoin script and it's interesting because that functionality does exist i mean it's not as robust as what exists on um ethereum for example the new ethereum yes i mean because
0: uh, and and let's let's not be quick to leave this point. Yeah, there's Ethereum Classic. Exactly, Ethereum Classic was the proof of work, exactly. right? I'll I'll say that. Yeah. Then there's Ethereum one point Yeah. They, they 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 move from proof of work to proof of stake yeah. partially.
1: Yeah.
0: Which one was hacked? Because there's there's an Ethereum. Um, okay, okay. For for someone who doesn't understand this. Are these different blockchains, essentially? How do they manage to move from being a proof of work yeah. to being a proof of stake in version one, a yeah. proof of stake in version two? Is information copied and pasted? Yeah. Like, how do they achieve that transition to find that there's an old Ethereum Classic and mm. a new Ethereum?
1: So that's actually a very good question. So what happens is um, in the Bitcoin white paper, um, they the 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 idea was if ever there's uh, a point if uh, maybe something went extremely wrong or the something we needed to change something was so important that needed to change there was the ability for you to hard fork or have something which is a fork which is essentially like me getting a copy of um, maybe for example this water bottle i get an exact copy of that and then i can continue adding water to it i've already taken some of the water right but i can continue adding water from literally where it stopped so um maybe something that we need to note is that when you're running these, these softwares, obviously the blockchain is being um up, stored and up and, and, and updated. But if I changed if I took a snapshot of everything that's been happening and then I changed the software, but I kept I kept um everything that was on the other side in terms of the transactions and everything and I carried it over, then that essentially is what we would call a fork. I mean that's a very loose explanation, but it's just the easiest way I can explain it. So that's how you get a fork and it's, you just kill off the other one, the other software, or it might still be running. For example, in the case of, um, Luna and Luna classic where Luna classic is still running and Luna is running now. Right. Um, then you essentially have that the transactions you had before have also happened. And then you've just started off almost as if, um, on a new, on a new, um, on a new branch. Maybe that's how I can say.
0: So the let's, the beginning of, uh, for example, Ethereum 1.0. Yeah. The first genesis block of that blockchain. Yeah. Is does it have a hash of the previous? How how do they link them to know that this person owned these tokens on the previous, like that ma that move? Like I I understand it, but vaguely. Like.
1: Yeah. So I'd say it's it's still on that snapshot because remember when you, once I take a snapshot and I know that okay. So i'm going to take a snapshot as of um maybe on friday the number of coins you had on friday is what i'm going to give you and that's what we're going to count so even if you came and transacted however much today that doesn't count so all i have to do is look at hey this is how many coins you had um, as per the blockchain's um, calculations on this particular day and then i give you that many and that's why the airdrops happen because they are essentially saying that okay we have looked at what you had and we are giving you that exact same amount on this new blockchain And that's how the airdrops work that's how people who um essentially were moving from the old ethereum coming into the new ethereum they got that airdrop and then that's how you move over it's almost like um it's almost like a refresh if you you can call it that
0: so very interesting things and we're going to keep jumping back and forth yeah, between sure. uh, proof of stake and proof of work now yeah. from what we have just elaborated with uh, how ethereum has transitioned yeah let's look at how bitcoin has transitioned yeah what changed in theory in ethereum underlying yeah what changed in between bitcoin bitcoin cash and bitcoin sv underlying yeah. because they're all bitcoin they're yeah. all ethereum right yeah, yeah yeah true so help help us me inclusive because even me i eh, eh, yeah i try and but uh just just help it like take it out of the whole big picture yeah and show our audience what changed
1: okay so when it when bitcoin initially came out um what happened is obviously there's a group of people that would come up and say hey i think we need some changes Mm. and that's not just so the bitcoin is is not just a group of people whereby um, maybe like three people decide that we want to make changes, and those changes going to affect. So those changes need to be accepted by a, a majority of the of the network. And I think that's the same for all these other um, blockchains as well. I'm not so sure about Ethereum. I won't I won't speak to that because I'm not so, I haven't really looked at that. But for the Bitcoin, when Bitcoin came out, some people had an issue with the block size. Yeah. And also privacy. So what happened is I don't I don't remember if it was Bitcoin Cash that forked off first bitcoin cash yeah bitcoin cash so bitcoin cash folks are first trying to chase the privacy route and trying to go the route of going a privacy coin and um i'm not so sure how how that ended i i really haven't followed bitcoin cash but i remember that it's part of the storyline of the bitcoin and then bitcoin sv comes up because people wanted the block sizes to be bigger but there was a, a few back and forths here um and essentially, not everyone was on board with the plan. So another group forked off. And that's 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 what gave rise to Bitcoin SV. But still, I mean, the, to- the, the technology at the bottom is proof of work, which is that you have to put in work to actually mine these different blocks and verify those transactions in the blockchain. And when it comes to Ethereum, um, I think they've only had that one major upgrade or update, which is essentially move- them moving from that to proof of stake and, there's there's really there's really i think they pushed it for a while because it's a it's a really big thing and I think there was a lot of considerations to take um in terms of security and all that there were definitely a lot of bugs during the the testing of of some of those networks thankfully they they just happened in the in those test nets so what I would say is that the bitcoin story is literally i think the things that really stand out is the fact that and actually that I think that's a good thing that There's deliberation, but unless the entire or a large majority of the network accepts to have some of these changes, you're really not going to have that. So I think it speaks to the security and the the greatness of the software, because you know something's great if you're not changing it every five seconds. And it also speaks to the reliability. Ethereum is going through a lot more um, iterations, and I know they're still going, they're still going because they have to shard the network. I think that's their next bit and then they have to um, make sure that they reduce the gas fees what
0: is sharding bro what okay i'm sorry i'm sorry i sorry i'm sorry forgive us <laughs> no, no, no. we are gentle yeah. young learners okay so
1: um how can i say this sharding is making it that uh and okay what what, what you can have is you have one database and then that one database is the one which you're writing to
0: okay
1: and then sharding is just that I can break up these different, I can make uh, multiple databases and then I'm writing, to the, I'm writing to those. So that helps improve, I believe it's write times, speed okay. of transactions. Okay. And then, um, but it doesn't do anything to change the gas fees. So it's, it's essentially like Ethereum has to go through two more phases to make sure that it even solves, I think the biggest problem for adoption right now, for their adoption right now, which is the gas fees So, um, yeah, I think that's
0: that's that. On that, I think you answered my question. Now, let me let me uh twist it a bit, right? Right? So, if we look at the underlying code, yeah, of uh, Bitcoin, yeah, Bitcoin Cash, yeah, and Bitcoin SV, are they the same thing? The people who had Bitcoins on the first Bitcoin, yeah. did they get new Bitcoin on Bitcoin Cash? And did they again get new Bitcoin on Bitcoin SV? Like, what makes me wonder is, uh, and I've, I've not been, uh, I'm asking these questions because they are confusing. Yeah. That's the truth. Because one moment you hear that if you had Bitcoin the other side, it can be uh, transferred and put on Bitcoin SV takes the Bitcoin yeah. that I had on the first Bitcoin, like on the first Bitcoin blockchain, which is still in existence. Yeah. For example, someone who had Ethereum. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Did they hand over their Ethereum to the Ethereum Foundation or whoever Yeah, to get the new Ethereum? Like, at the end of the day, I ask such a question because the people who are creating these hard folks, yeah, can they retain value through that process because if if someone is being given your old bitcoin, yeah, and they're giving you their new bitcoin, mm. then that means they still have yours.
1: Well, look at it this way right mm-hmm. so in case in cases where they are hard folks, always there's going to be some way in which they give you either an equivalent or a bit less. Maybe they take into consideration some some things. Maybe the number. Do they
0: take the old one? That's my question. No, 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 no. Where does it go?
1: Now this is the thing. It's <laughs> it's it's in the software, right? So yeah. if 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 I had a database that says that you have twelve Bitcoin, right? And I decided that I was going to branch off of that. When I branch, you're still going to have twelve Bitcoin. But now the question is, in terms of my new token, what is the equivalent of that? So that's that's usually where those like initial um like airdrops come in and i know um i'm going to give the examples that i've seen maybe in my lifetime so um luna in particular they took a snapshot and they said that okay luna classic you had this many thousand luna in your wallet and so what we're going to do is based on the number of tokens we're going to have now instead of them being um because the number reduced we obviously can't give you your thousand but we are going to give you this much yeah so that's how they do it. It's literally um that I have forked off. I have I have I have branched off of this of this uh software. It would oh, be much database. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh it would be much easier to explain it in terms of you having two applications. I make an application, yeah. but then it's almost like I copy that entire application to a brand new place and then I make changes on that. So the other application exists with its users and everyone else in that ecosystem is happy, but also if you wanted to come and use mine then I already know that you had placed an order uh, maybe before and you are supposed to get this much. So when you come over, I mean, you're, you already have that.
0: And my biggest contestation is yes. if I still have my Bitcoin original yes, and I come to Bitcoin SV yes. and you do these airdrops, do you take away my initial Bitcoin?
1: No, you they literally don't have
0: access to that. So there are people who have who received bitcoin yeah or ethereum yeah and still have their old tokens yeah i mean it's that so, that's so are they both valuable yeah they should be yeah definitely hmm. look, look at it this way you know right? I'm, 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 like it's not com- it's just it's opening up a whole new because what if Because someone who has been scammed by Bitcoin SV still has their old Bitcoin.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: Or someone who is being scammed by Bitcoin. Bitcoin can't be a scam. Okay, it can't. No, it can't. Ideally, what I'm trying to, to paint in my my head is... Where then yeah. do these folks get their value? Because if the underlying value, this side stays, yeah and you still give them value, this side... where does that value come from
1: yeah so i think that's that's a tricky that's a tricky question one that i particularly maybe haven't thought about in detail but um i think what they're borrowing from is the fact that they are trying to in most cases solve a, a, a problem a particular problem so um of course if i'm going to tell you that i'm 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 on ethereum for example and we're telling you that we don't want to use proof of work anymore because it's not environmentally great or maybe for some other reasons that uh, we, we, we come up with. And I tell you that we're now going to move over to the proof of stake side of things. Um, there's no way that I can tell you that. OK, so now you just start afresh. Like, um, forget about your coins on the other side. Those are gone now. You just start. Uh, you put new coins here and then we move on. That obviously wouldn't make sense. So what the fork does is that they can choose to kill off the old blockchain. And I think that's what happened in the case of the old Ethereum. Yeah. yeah. So you don't, you literally can't move on it. You can't move funds on it anymore. You can only move on the proof of stake. But in some cases, those blockchains can exist together and just move together. And the people who um, want to use this side because of its value um, can then decide to just stay on that. Or the people who want to take up the other, stay on the other side because of what they believe in can do that so as to where those coins uh you know get their value i think it's it's pretty much the fact that this is still the person's money it's just that you have decided to improve upon that and maybe um build on top of that and give them a much better platform but still at the, the root of it is that the user who was on bitcoin had money there so if you're going to create Uh, maybe a second bitcoin or a third bitcoin they still had money on there that you just can't take away from them
0: have questions but they won't end let's um and i i i uh i would love for us now to to go to the next layer yeah we have been on the code layer yeah the reality layer let's come to philosophy yeah around proof of work and proof of stake yeah is it right for us to hand over the value we create yeah in the real world to a virtual machine to be its true representation mm. two is it right for us to spend electricity calculating yeah equations to store a value that we create in the real world yeah part of that value being the electricity itself
1: yeah so i mean i think there have been a number of i am going to start with the bitcoin side of things i, I think there have been a number of um different research uh papers that came out where they were showing that um this electricity that is actually being used by the different bitcoin miners uh initially maybe it was using uh a lot in terms of uh, electricity and maybe it was somehow damaging to climate as as people might initially think but over time i think um miners have become way more sophisticated in terms of how they get access to electricity you see people going in for renewable sources and i think that's what that's kind of always okay in some cases that's been the case but you see them going for even working directly with power grids to for example use some of their excess power when um they they don't need it and no one's really paying for it so these bitcoin miners take it up and then they so it's creating value out of otherwise uh otherwise otherwise how can i say otherwise soon to be wasted electricity if we take it in the case of um the miners working directly with the power grids to get that excess electricity but also it's it's not just that because people are now exploring new ways of if i use this electricity the heat that comes off what can i do with that you know um and then also the fact that these miners themselves are taking up initiatives to have maybe solar electricity or like wind powered electricity that they can then supply back. Exactly. And they can then supply back to their different communities and, and help. So in terms of the value that's created out of this, I think we're exploring way more. We're thinking way more out of just run the, run the miner and just have it running. And we're thinking more about how we can actually also help our communities and stuff like that. So I think um, in terms of, mining on on bitcoin i think it's 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 worth it like in terms of the security you honestly can't be you can't beat it right now because if there's that many people validating transactions it's extremely hard i don't really think there's a possibility of you just waking up and trying to um catch up and you know break the you know find finding a way to break all the security implementations that exist in bitcoin and i could go on about them and it's really it's really it's really beautiful to actually see that they thought that much about something something like that because the security of the blockchain is definitely um some of the like it's selling point so if it's secure and it's 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 that good then i really don't think there's a reason as to why you shouldn't trade some electricity or some power to make sure that you get that value out to people Um, your other question was, should we then, on the Ethereum side of things, was that should we then, uh, have our coins on a virtual machine to, to create Ideally,
0: the coins are not
1: there. You see, that's what
0: beats my mind. Yeah. When you make money, okay. The true definition of money is value creation. Yeah. Ideally, what we do with Bitcoin, to me, I think is we channel the value we create through the electricity yeah into the blockchain for it to be moved around that's what i think mm. that every uh mining process that goes on yeah the electricity i would have put into very to validate the miner is putting it for me yeah so they are creating value out of the value i've created and they are giving me coins and i buy them yeah right yeah, yeah. when it comes to ethereum where do they put the money let's say like so, ideally i don't see the money the value yeah. entering the blockchain because there's a disconnect between reality and their blockchain because yeah. with the bitcoin blockchain there's a way they meet at okay. the point of electricity yeah where does why is it sounds wrong for me to trust my value yeah it's like a virtual reality
1: okay so maybe what i can say on that is that you're whether where where, as opposed to miners where miners have uh how can i say it where miners put in the electricity and they have to get all these miners this this that mining equipment and then they have to put in all that hard work to make sure that they um go ahead and get those coins so for their hard work they're paid in bitcoin and then they they're the ones who then put that on the exchanges that people can buy and and sell Bitcoin and that's how we get access to new Bitcoin. So you are asking, maybe understand how it works in Ethereum is that if I give them my coins right now and I tell them that I am going to maybe stake Ethereum, stake something like Polkadot or any of these other um, staking things, um, staking coins, for example, they'll literally hold my, hold my money in for a particular period of time. So maybe they'll say that that's one month, that's two months, and at the end of that time period they'll be like okay so you kept your coins uh maybe with us or you kept your coins in a particular smart contract or on your wallet for this period of time and you helped validate that um these transactions are are correct so we're going to give you back this much so essentially it's it's that the miners you have now become a miner the only difference is you don't have the expensive equipment you don't have the Putting in of electricity, you just have the fact that you're locking up your coins somewhere to make sure that um, someone is not having, how can I call it, that 51% and you are essentially valid protecting the network that way and you're still being paid as a miner in that case. So maybe that's where I would say that the value comes from, but um, still. It's 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 tricky, but these are the questions that you need. You probably need to ask yourself when you're getting in, because the, when you come to the end of that, you can then make a good conclusion as to whether you believe in this program, or in this project or not. And I think those are very important questions that need to be answered.
0: So to every one of us who is listening, the next time you want to think about getting in the blockchain space, you want to dig, you want to scratch beyond surface and know. What is the underlying uh, technology? Is it proof of work? Is it proof of stake? What is it based on? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And I think that will inform a decision based on what you want to achieve. And uh, Ethereum people will love me for saying this. I still don't support most of the stuff that you do. But there is actually a real use case to Ethereum. like Those contracts and everything... Until Bitcoin is able to execute them well as well as Ethereum does, it might not, it might never. Ethereum has a use case, yeah, but the ideas, the philosophy it leaves me afraid a bit to find that there's a foundation, and then the foundation can vote to edit yeah that, um, that, that, the, the blockchain itself might be good, but whatever structures that have been built around it are corruptible. Hmm. Which makes in turn the blockchain easily corruptible. Yeah. So it gets to a level where I am worried for someone who is looking for long-term, long-term, I would say storage of value. Yeah. Long-term wealth storage. Yeah. You might implement Ethereum for a contract. You might implement Ethereum for an NFT. Yeah but when you're looking for 10 15 years out you're not sure who will be around the structures built around ethereum yeah and that is what creeps me out the most the structures built around bitcoin are code yeah they can't be changed the structures built around ethereum have people people change people evolve yeah so uh, you have comments on that? I wanted us to shift and first go to to a nice place, but you can first comment. Yeah,
1: but maybe just wrapping that up. Um, I think ultimately, you know, we see these things and it's still a very young space, but we keep getting it right the next time. So maybe there's something that's wrong that exists maybe um, with, with a particular network. We keep seeing what's wrong and obviously people don't people people are asking the same questions that you are right they're saying that if, if 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 maybe like um a foundation can can decide on if something happens or not you know um is that is that a good thing for the for the blockchain is that a bad thing for us people also want to get involved and i think that's the biggest that's the biggest difference between all these different blockchains is that the one where people have a bigger say is usually the one where people um are more how can i say it? people will flock to more yeah but even still like there's a bit of democracy in the way these things are done because uh for example i'll say i'll say cardano in particular what happened is they they had they had their vaso hard fork yeah where they wanted to introduce smart contracts as well they wanted to introduce was it smart contracts or was it that they wanted to, they wanted to change something yeah i think they wanted to introduce smart contracts so when they wanted to do that hard fork there was a time when they pushed out um an update and they said that hey you guys should actually go ahead and update your um your miners to this software and they had tested it and the miners had tested it out oh no there was a test in the testnet where people had tested it and they had found that there was something wrong and the miners refused so they didn't go ahead with that so yeah, the miners actually refused to update to that particular version and it delayed them by a bit because they had to go then go and, and you know, make a few tweaks to that. So yeah. I think that as much as we might think that there's no real democracy in these systems, you find that if the miners are really after making sure that the people get value at the end of the day, they almost have that say of saying that we won't update our our miners to that version. So, you know, if you can, if you can't, if you can't fix the problem that exists within there, then we won't do that. So I think it's it's also very interesting that there exists some systems of of making things um, better. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you when you look at the fact that uh, you know, with with Bitcoin, some of that stuff doesn't doesn't really exist, and you don't really have to like think too much about it. But I think it's just one of those things where wherever you start out, I think it's great. You know, we can we can we can. We can throw shade at any side, but and I'm sure there' are people who throw shade at either side, yeah, but I think it's more about just sitting down and asking yourself these sorts of questions and looking more into um what can I learn out of this so from you know proof of stake, I think there's a lot that 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 comes in that you can learn maybe in terms of the development side of things that then helps you also understand the Bitcoin side of things, yeah so it's just appreciating the technology for me and i think that's why really after starting to read some of these white papers of the different blockchains you really start to appreciate um what they're trying to do and maybe they haven't executed it right but I, again i i'm very confident in the fact that we can keep getting this right over time
0: okay so uh, i wanted to throw us off a bit all right, then. we have talked about a lot of geek stuff i'm sure <laughs> yeah someone who who is trying so hard because of how much they like the growth mindsets podcast is like oh god 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 when when are they talking about bronson's personal life so what does bronson do when he's not coding
1: uh wow that's an interesting one I
0: because i mean you 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 are not always on the blockchain right no, yeah, no okay. I don't I don't live on the blockchain. <laughs> exactly. I don't live on the blockchain. So where is Bronson? Yeah. After the 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 laptop is closed, who hmm. is he? What does he like? What does he do? Does he have a sport? Yeah. Does he have a girlfriend? Uh where do you spend your money? Do you spend yeah. your money? <clears throat> do you take financial classes because you earn some money? Like now we have those questions that are out of the technical stuff.
1: All right. Um Lots of interesting questions that you have there. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know which ones to start with. <laughs> you can start uh, with a girlfriend. Uh, no, no, no. Sadly, sadly not. <laughs> not yet,
0: yet, ladies. If you are um, in our audience, you see growth mindsets. Growth is what we have brought. So write a small message. Leave it in the comments. We shall get it to Bronson for you. Yeah, you you never know. You have to strategize and uh, position yourself in areas where you might benefit.
1: Um, for I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know why my boss is trying to to plug this, but <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what what makes you fun? Cuz coding is not fun for most yeah, people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it it's not it it's kind of fun to some extent but uh, there, there are weeks where you will genuinely be asking yourself why do i do this so uh especially when i put down the laptop and stuff like that i do like to read um i read some some books i also do um play chess from time to time i'm not great at
0: it definitely. some of your favorite reads for our audience to pick on
1: um i really think jordan peterson is a great book especially um 12 rules for life great book great book i think if you if you really want to um sit down and just get your life in order especially as a person who doesn't really know um where it's going or like what how exactly you can even get that started that book um especially during the covid time when i sat down and i read it yeah it really changed the way i look at things so yeah that's it for the for the for the books i also do uh, i also have read dale carnegie uh, how to win friends and influence people great book i mean these are all i would say books that essentially someone should should at least even if you don't read the entire thing just read one chapter read two chapters i think they will really change your life so um yeah that's it for books i mean there's there's plenty more i could go on but
0: yeah so books chess not good at chess yeah how much do you earn that's a, that's a tricky question that, that's a very tricky question.
1: But uh what I will say Upward Zoop. Uh I can't give I can't give specifics. Please, please just say upward of something. I'll have to consult with my lawyer. <laughs> 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 to know if I can give out this information. But uh I I mean I, I can just speak on um what Reach and what these other programs maybe give out to give people some perspective. Um so Reach as a mentor, they will give you um about give or take 200 300 per group that you train so that's just for the mentoring side of things and um if you choose to take part part in a hackathon they will give you about um a thousand dollars to finish the hackathon they'll give you um maybe 250 dollars to write a blog and stuff like that and um they'll give you there's there's really more incentives like and that's that's on the hackathon side of things but far from that like these you find that if 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 you're really interested and they really like you they'll probably pick you up and take you to these different events and i think that's that's the beauty of the blockchain space, is that there's not that weird barrier between um you know like the developers or yeah. like the, the people at the top they just it's almost like one group of people that genuinely wants to work together to get something done so yeah i think that's estimates for the blockchains obviously i'm giving you very low estimates because if you got in, if you got into things like bitcoin programming i think that's, I mean the sky's the limit for how much you how much yes yeah, so you just need to sell
0: yourself well. Well uh been such a great discussion. I would love to now uh, and for our audience, this is the first time I'm I'm doing this. I've been picking up a few tips. We're going to have a few wildcard questions. Alright. What's your take on Kanye West?
1: Kanye West. Uh as a music producer oh yeah i did mention that i produce music on the side i also i also produce music i do many things
0: <laughs> i do you many also things. repair computers i also repair computers you also
1: i play minecraft on my on my free time i think i also i just do a bunch of stuff i okay. think i think if, if it's if it's a tutorial for it on youtube i'll
0: probably do it so <laughs> <laughs> let's have your take on Kanye west is he crazy
1: best producer of our generation some of the things he said recently i do not back them up but in terms of his music and in terms of uh what he's been able to achieve i think there's a lot that you can pick from him um and his determination his drive his way of thinking in terms of going out there and just doing something that hasn't been done yet um i would say that that's all that's all great and i i just for me the music is like the greatest the greatest part because starting, if you actually do producing and you sit down and you think, how did this guy even get this idea for some of these songs? Yeah. I, I think it's really, it's really great.
0: And uh, another wild card question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a tweet that uh, was recently published about um, let me bring it up just a moment. I want to read it in its trueness. Yeah. Some of the greatest scams that have existed in our generation. Uh, I, think, I think I know. I know
1: where you're going. You know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I think I know where you're going.
0: Uh, just, 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 just hint on that. Yeah. Are we, are we sure we know, what mainstream media is doing to us because. And I'm failing to find it. Uh, let me see.
1: Yeah, but just to go on that. I mean, it's crazy because you say that. But I haven't watched news, I think, in almost <laughs> three... Who still watches
0: news? I always try to bring the aspect of news in and no one watches news. My
1: mom tells me to watch news from time to time. Because apparently there they might be something going on and we'll never know about it. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's also a valid point. But... I, th- I think I, I moved off news because of the way it tries to unscrew, uh the world and try to make you think that the world is this negative place where a lot of bad things are happening and it's a constant, you know, bad things, bad things, bad things. But in trueness, all you're doing is like making yourself cynical in the way you think about people and the way you think about things. In trueness, there are actually like good things that do happen on a daily basis as well. And unfortunately, our news has taken time to cut those out and only give us a particular picture in terms of Uganda, like in particularly yeah. in Uganda. So um, I'm very selective about the things that I take in. I don't like to have my timeline cut, cluttered with uh, particularly positive things, maybe that stuff of, um, you know, like quotes and, and all that. And also I don't want to have like the cynical route where, you know, there's they, there are people telling you that this is happening every single day. I just like to take in um, as much information as I can control. So if it's something about tech, I like that. If it's if it's maybe just general news, I, I can take that in as well. But if it has uh, anything that really, uh, I think, is not going to be of help to me, I try to keep that out
0: of my mind space. As I find the tweet, I'll read it. Uh, do you think AI will replace us? That's a tricky one. That's a tricky
1: one. Actually, today morning, I was actually reading uh, a statement where a lady went ahead and put in her journal uh, from when she was about eight years old. And she put uh, the different entries into her diary, into, I think it was not chat GPT. I think it was uh, GPT-3, the one which came before. And it generated a version, an AI version of her younger self. And it's very interesting in such a way that she had all these questions and she had all these doubts about herself ever since she was a kid and she was able to have a conversation one-on-one with that AI and she says that it helped her come to some sort of uh, closure whereby she asked it a question about how far she's made it and the AI said that I'm proud of you regardless of how far you know you've made it and it just took it from just maybe like let's say 40 pages of what she fed it so I started to think what what then happens if we give it more data what then happens if i go through your whole facebook his, your whole facebook history your all your messages all your pictures and i give it that much data and i give it a good amount of time i mean i could literally reconstruct a version of you and have your thoughts in there maybe not all the thoughts maybe not your negative thoughts because you don't display those as often in 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 texts and 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 stuff like that But of course, with things like Neuralink, where we can now get you know, everything that you're thinking at a particular point in time, I think you might be able to reconstruct how people maybe do things and think. And it's a very crazy time to be alive. That's all I'll say. But I don't think at any one point um, we should be worried about it in the
0: short term. The debater in him came out. I'm going to ask the question again. (laughs) Do you think... AI will at least, okay, to a larger extent, take away the role of a human being. In the workplace? Anywhere. To a larger extent, like worldwide, like could be workplace, could be playground, could be driving, yeah, anywhere.
1: So I think when you understand the psychology behind, like maybe how businesses work, is that businesses gravitate towards um, ways they can make more money. And I think that's what investors want to see. So if an investor wakes up and tells you, hey, you know what? ChatGPT is doing the exact same thing as one of your employees or like a thousand of your employees and it's free or it's charging us like maybe $10 a month. Why not just get ChatGPT and why not just remove this? And I think the reason as to why ChatGPT is so so scary is that it's a general purpose AI. And maybe for some of those who don't understand programming, it's just that they gave it as much data as possible. They just gave, they told it, go into the, the, like this data set and just learn. Just learn. They didn't give it any, any, any specific thing. They didn't tell it, I want you to focus on law content. I want you to focus on software engineering content. I want you to focus on uh, accounting content. They just gave it a bunch of content. So chat GPT as it exists right now is just a general purpose AI. That means that it can answer any question that you want, but it hasn't been trained almost to the level of a professional to focus in on one particular thing. Now, imagine they make it focus on one particular thing and that's when you start to see that yes it's it's very possible that in the future once an ai has maybe got great mastery over uh, a particular domain i do see that companies in a move to obviously make money as any company would will start to lay off more of their stuff and take up more of these ai um, alternatives
0: so yes
1: yes i mean (laughs) But it's, it's, it's a very
0: technical yes. Yeah, yes. I know. I understand. Yeah. So I finally found the tweet. So as we close, yeah. it's either a yes or, or no. a no. Liar Halepan says there are seven of the greatest scams ever to exist. All right. So I will mention what she thinks is a scam. You'll either say yes or no. All right. I know I'm putting you in the corner, but... I'm. I, I. want to incite something in our audience to be able to go and look in these things. All right. And cool. Reasons why the people think it's no scam or not.
1: I just have to be the sacrificial the sacrificial lamb. It's fine.
0: <laughs> one COVID. Yes. Elections.
1: Hmm. That's a tricky one. What kind of elections?
0: Elections. No more democracy elections. Hmm. No, feminism. Hmm. Wow, it's either yes or no. Feminism.
1: I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that. No.
0: Gender studies. What 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 would gender studies entail in this case? Let me let me simplify it for you. All right, choosing sex. Hmm. The idea of oh, a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. It's choice. What? All that. Yes. He said yes. <laughs> Climate change. <laughs> um. Scam or not?
1: Hmm. hmm. That's a tricky one, actually. That all of them have been tricky. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say that. But uh, climate change. Hmm. No, I, I won't say. Not it. a
0: scam. The food pyramid. The food pyramid. Just to break it down a bit. You're more likely to gain weight if you eat proteins, or or you have to keep a certain diet, or oh, now the veg. You know, there's a time when Meat was the in thing. Yeah. Then we've had a phase and it's currently growing out where vegetables, a vegetable diet was like the in thing. Now we are moving back to meat. I can literally feel it in my algorithm Mm. that there's a time I didn't experience the nigger time, the time of Superman 1. All those guys, the depiction was eat a lot of meat, eat a lot of protein. If you remember Rocky 1, Rocky 2 that time, they would show Mm. that... To get efficient, he would eat a lot of meat and eat a lot of eggs. So as nigga meat, eggs, that's the time the burgers were in, a lot of McDonald's, what? Protein content. Then we shifted to a time where everyone was talking about oh athletic greens, oh it uh... if you look at most of the the YouTubers who are into health and physical exercises, they are talking about vegetable a vegetarian diet. Yeah. Now, slowly, I have seen it transition. It has started with about a few things. But it's now on, oh, meat. Meat is the best. It's starting to come back in a way I can feel it. So, yeah. So, the food pyramid. Scam or not scam? Scam. <laughs> Lastly, the education system. Scam scam I, I
1: I can't even say anything else scam <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so obviously we are winding down thank yep. you very much for being with us
1: thank you for having me
0: uh I am not I've not used chat GPT I don't know you should I a lot of people have told me I should but I've just not found the interest
1: my boss told me I should we had a problem we had a problem during one of the conversations one of the uh, our weekly calls where we were discussing something that wasn't working out. And it was like, hey, why don't you just go and ask ChatGPT how we can fix this? <laughs> so it's all. I, it's almost like, um, it's it's one of those things where you just give it a question and it will give you an answer.
0: Yeah. Do you, anyway, now, when I ask, do you think it will give you the right answer, then I become a Jordan Peterson myself. What is the right what is the underlying rightness of the right? Um, but what are your general thoughts on that, particularly Chat GPT?
1: Okay, so Chat GPT, I think it's I think it's great for most of the things that you might want to ask about it. Some technical questions, it won't get them right. Even some of the coding questions, it won't get them right, because again, it's a general purpose AI. It wasn't particularly trained on maybe code or maybe answering some of these particular things. If it's literature, I think, I think it's more easily, it's more easy. It's, it's, it has a, it has a way easier time working with literature than maybe some technical things like code and maybe some of these other things. So I wouldn't say that it's a hundred percent, but I think even 90% or 80% is good enough uh, in terms of an AI, because rather than you maybe changing, and I mean, if you needed to make an essay, rather than you maybe changing, uh, needing to generate a hundred percent of it, you've generated 90% of it. And now you're just fact checking to make sure that that 10% is Uh, in line with everything else that you have so it's a great tool i think for just uh, increasing productivity and even maybe just getting more ideas because you can ask it things like okay so this is what i want to learn i want to learn about bitcoin um what do you think i should start with and it will give you like an outline of different things that you can actually look up so i think it's just going to be used to mostly improve productivity it won't outright replace professionals in the case, but I think when professionals are, are looking for, for ways to speed up their work, GPT will definitely be the first place that they go to.
0: Wow. So to anyone out there in the audience, I am very sure today's podcast was a bit uh, mind-opening. We've talked a bit of technical stuff, If you met something that is not clear, write it down, type it in your YouTube, type it uh, in your Google, you'll be able to find it. If you don't find it, please come to Twitter, tag Skillhaven, we're always open to help. But to thank you one more time, to even have come to the end of this podcast, as great as it has been, uh, being part of our community makes us who we are. So we thank you very much and to you Bronson for sparing time. I know it was a bit short notice and I hope uh, I get better.
1: Yeah, I was literally literally just eating
0: on my donut and (laughs) I see the text coming in and I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's, uh, stories for the conversations we've had. and never regretted and this inclusive. So to all our audience until the next uh, keep learning let's continue to grow on the journeys of our purpose please go back listen to all these episodes we've done really really interesting conversations i can't say it enough interesting and organic hmm. that's that's they are they are so full of context like you can relate people are quoting kampala road huh? <laughs> not wall street yeah so it's uh an African view of whatever is going on. And we take pleasure in that. Yeah. See you on the next. Thank you very much. Any closing remarks for our audience?
1: Yeah. Um Can they follow you? you yeah, definitely. Twitter, definitely. Or, I, I don't do Instagram. Do people
0: do people follow people on GitHub? You You, you can actually. You guys you know talk about GitHub. <laughs> you
1: can. There's not much there, but I mean you can. <laughs> so uh I don't do Instagram. Uh, Most of these other social networks, I really don't uh, do. I do exist on Twitter, and I do exist on WhatsApp. I don't know if giving out my information on uh, my WhatsApp. Well, the Twitter is is okay. Yeah, Twitter is good enough. Yeah. So that's um, at Bron. Um, I don't even know how to say this. Let me just let me just spell it out. It's at B R O N S N four. So uh, there's no O, uh, it's, it's just B-R-S-N-4. And you should be able to to reach out to me and you can just throw me a DM, my DM's open. And I'm always willing to help people, especially when developers are trying to get into this space or just you need a general um, general guidance. I'm not the best, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad that I, I have that view of myself. I'm not happy with... Uh, I'm not excited with it. wherever I've come so far. Uh, I don't think that I'm, I should celebrate too early and I'm trying to keep getting better and better, but with what I know, I think I could maybe help someone who hasn't yet even started this path to know how they can navigate the space and find some of these opportunities and all these other things. So uh, I think the most important thing for developers is I can't say this enough, but please get out of your shell. Please talk to more people. Um, I think Web3 is a space that is more about people getting to know each other and interact with each other and help each other. And I think the best skill that you can build in Web3 and as a developer is going out is having that soft skill and being able to approach people, even people who you think won't, won't respond to you. I think that's the best thing that you can do because that is how you get exposure to different opportunities and that's how you always um come out on top of other developers who don't have as many soft skills so i think yeah that's it but um most importantly um just be consistent and keep learning even if you don't do seven days a week even if you at least do three days a week but just just be consistent about it
0: i think you've had enough really We are appreciative of your time and your kind words. If you are a listener and you have reached this far, you can't convince me that you have gone away with nothing. So, with all the pleasure, I would love to end this podcast and ask you to please leave us a review. There is that place where you can review down there in your podcasts. We also trying to make it. (laughs) Okay? Thank you to all our listeners around the world. We love you. We have quite the big audience in the U.S. We have... I mean, we have audiences everywhere. Thank you very much and keep coming. If you have ideas that you want to share with us about what we can do for the podcast, some people you would love to be brought on, feel free to shoot me a DM on Twitter at Brindon Mwine, our partners at Debucker Studio, baka is on twitter at baka david we are setting up a youtube channel a lot in stock but we build slowly and consistently like uh, bronson has said until the next guys thank you very much